granted, man. This ain't easy. We worked our ass off for this. Yep. And this is one heck of a team, baby. Yeah. Playing with this guy, practicing with this guy, he's a guy that can do it. And as a as a player, that you just wanna you just wanna play for him. You're listening to the Built in Buffalo podcast, exclusively on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Here are your hosts, Adam Z and Dave Myers. The Built in Buffalo podcast is proudly brought to you by Total Sports Buffalo, the number one destination for all authentic, autographed Buffalo Bills memorabilia. You can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Total Sports Buffalo. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Uh, whenever or wherever you are listening to, I wanted to thank you for tuning in. This is the second episode of the Built in Buffalo podcast. My name is Adam Zeintuck. You can follow me on Twitter at Primetime Adam. Here today with me is the man, the myth, the legend, the co-founder of Built in Buffalo himself, Dave Myers. Dave, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing well. It's uh, draft eve. I guess when everybody's listening to this, it will be the day of the draft. Unless you listen to it on Friday, the dra- first round will have already happened. I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to see what um, Brandon Bean's going to do to retool this team for the future. But let's get it. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm equally excited. It's uh, the night before draft miss. So we have a pretty exciting show for you all today. With the draft coming tomorrow or yesterday or last week, uh, we got to talk a little bit about the 25th overall pick. With that, we got some Ed Oliver news to share with you and some initial thoughts on the Bills picking up his fifth-year option, along with some thoughts on the Jordan Poyer situation and just some history of our favorite picks from the wizard, Brandon Bean. Without further ado, let's get into it. So today, Ed Oliver's fifth-year option was picked up by the Buffalo Bills. Probably the least exciting and most expected decision from Bean and Company. I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on the re-signing. Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of this offseason chatter about signing Vaughn Miller has kind of taken some of the news away from, or people talking and speculating about Ed, about Ed Oliver because. One thing that struck me funny was when Von Miller was doing his introductory press conference, he mentioned Ed Oliver was one of the reasons, one of the big reasons that he's excited to play here. Brandon Bean in his presser made it a point to bring up Ed Oliver. Sean McDermott made it a point to bring up Ed Oliver. So I think that this is going to be a really big year for Ed Oliver. I know a lot of people thought last year being his his third year, that was going to be his breakout year. I, I think that having some stud defensive ends, um, and retooling the interior of the defensive line, I really think that Oliver's going to shine. And there was a lot of times last year where he was the best player on the defensive line. If you go back and look at a lot of the play, even in the postseason, Ed Oliver shined and he was getting pressures. He was creating um, mismatches for offensive linemen, centers, what have you. Um, and he is, I, I feel like he's going to, he's, he's got this, time to shine and I think I I just think it's going to happen and what's really good about it is that you know he's a young guy um you know he's still only making 10 million dollars next year it's not like we're paying him this huge massive contract which which I feel like he's going to get um he'll get extended after next year but I think he's got help it's his first year you know he's not playing with star 
So we're going to have to see how him um, and Tim settle and these other young guys in the middle do, but I'm excited for it. I, I think he, he more than deserves it. And I think that this is going to be a year with having a stud defensive end like Vaughn Miller, he's going to be able to create some problems for opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. I think, I think with Von Miller, there, kind of setting the edge. It, it's going to open the door to a lot of those defensive linemen to kind of get home. I mean, personally, I love the move and I, I just think it makes sense, right? Ed Oliver, based on all the conversations we hear from Bean and McDermott is, is kind of uh, received as like a cornerstone of this defense. And I'm just excited to see what he can do on the football field with the addition of Von Miller after coming off a season where he had 17 games played and started three passes defended one forced fumble four sacks 29 solo tackles 12 assisted tackles 10 tackles for loss and my favorite 14 quarterback hits like i said i I really think that oliver is going to receive a ton of help with the addition of von miller and miller's ability to set the edge and I truly, I, I firmly believe that Oliver is going to have a monster year and we're going to be sitting here next season wondering what the market is going to be for a player of his caliber. Look, unfortunately, that's the the reality of this situation, right? We need Ed Oliver to have a monster year. He has a monster year. He might price himself out of a contract. Now, look, just yeah, I, mean, I want to continue on because it's kind of light. Um, what were you going to say, though, Dave? I'm sorry. No, that's that's okay. I mean, we're we're always going to be talking about this is what happens when you draft. Well, you can't pay everybody, you know, you can't, it's, it's a very good problem to have. And Brandon Bean even mentioned it in his presser last week. He said, look, I can't pay everybody. I wish I can, but I can't. And that's, he was specifically talking about guys like Jordan Poyer. Like I want to pay everybody, but I can't, I wanted to pay um, Jordan Phillips when he was here and when he was getting Mm. ready to go get his, his bag. But I can't pay everybody. And, and I think that's a really good problem to have because that means you are acquiring either by drafting or trade, you're getting some really good talent. Um, and that's what Bean from day one has said he's wanted to do. He's wanted to draft, develop, resign. And that's what he's, that's what he's doing. And he can't resign them all because, you know, they've developed into something that's really all world. Exactly. And I think Bean has had massive success with the draft too. Speaking of which, Ed Oliver is is celebrated as being a, a pretty good Bean draft pick. I just kind of want to take a stroll down memory lane since tomorrow is the draft. And I want to know the three players that have kind of been your favorite in the Bean area from a draft perspective. Important to note, we can't include Josh Allen because if we're talking about Bean's top three picks and Josh Allen isn't number one in everyone's book, that's kind of disgusting. So just off the top of your head, what are what are some of the top three picks from the Brandon Bean era that really stand out to you? Top three. Well, tough questions, I, Dave. Only hard hit for the second episode. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, everybody's going to say Gabe Davis. I mean, that was, and that's a sleeper pick because he was a, a, a later round pick. Um, uh-huh. I love Tyler. I love Tyler Bass and I love Dawson Knox. So there's three guys right there. I mean, you could throw Dane Jackson in there um, and some others, but I think Tyler Bass is a sneaky good pick from that draft. He might be, yes. you know, him and Gabe Davis both came out of that draft late. Um, they were both day three picks and, those might be two cornerstones for the bills for a long time. You got a franchise kicker 
And I know it's nothing exciting and it's not a sexy position, but then you got Gabe Davis, who everybody wants to, you know, anoint as wide receiver too. But then you also have a, a, a franchise tight end um, who was, you know, a third round pick. So I think, and this is kind of weird, topic but being i think really thrives in the day two and three picks he's made some yes. really good yes. acquisitions not saying that you know josh allen tremaine Edmonds aren't studs at oliver you know that was a first round pick but ones that stand out because the popular opinion is going to be besides josh allen is going to be at oliver so i tried to go yep. a little different um and i think we got three cornerstone pieces with those guys I, I absolutely agree. And it's funny because two of your three were two of my three. And and personally, there's a lot to choose from here, right? Bean has had some pretty great success. I also want to point out just real quick pain point in my life and in my Bills fandom, Wyatt Teller. Can we just, can we just, <laughs> oh man. I knew you were going there. <laughs> Wyatt Teller is the one that got away, especially with offensive line woes. I just... Anytime yeah. I talk about the draft and Brandon Bean, I gush over him. I think he's amazing. But Wyatt Teller, man, that stunk. But anyways, <laughs> so my three are Taron Johnson, Gabe Davis, and Tyler Bass. Taron Johnson, mostly because I love the story behind it. If you remember, and, and everyone does, Johnson went viral during the combine for getting hit in the head. And now yeah. he cemented himself in Bill's history for maybe, for arguably, the greatest single play of all time. I love the tenacity he brings to the football field, and I love the redemption story. For Gabe, I'm not going to lie, it's recency bias. Uh, If you're as good as your last game, Gabe Davis is historic. And part of me is also rolling with Gabe Davis because I see a lot of potential out of the kid, and I think he's going to be a stud in this league. And, And you hit the nail on the head with Tyler Bass. It's not the sexiest, but Bass in his second season, broke the record for the most points scored in Bill's history. He's going to be a huge piece of this team for years to come, and it's hard for me not to include Bass, one, because of the swag he brings and how he's nearly automatic from both field goal and extra point. And like you said, he's going to be a cornerstone. He's going to be in the history books of the Buffalo Bills and maybe even the NFL. Those are just just my personal selections, and I'm more than happy to be judged over those picks. But Dane Jackson, for you, that was a that was a little sneaky one there, Dave. Yeah, I, you know, I was watching. Shameless plug for our YouTube channel. We just dropped a Josh Allen, and it's a new series we got. We're we're doing all of Josh Allen's games, whether it's a, a pain point for us, like the, the first one we dropped, which was against the Steelers, but it's just to show his, how he kind of progressed through the season to what he became in the postseason. But watching the Steelers game, I noticed that you brought up Teron Johnson. So I went and watched a little film on Teron Johnson. And then I saw something come up about Dane Jackson and, and about no coverage touchdown or the most coverage. Yes. Downs. him and Trey were in the top three so then I went back and watched film on Dane Jackson and I'm telling you right now Dane Jackson is really good um we still have a very small sample size of him I mean he played 400 snaps last year which after Trey went down that's when he his snap count went up but I I think we have something in him and I think whatever happens this weekend with the draft and if there's a free agent that's signed that we bring in a vet I think Dane Jackson is still going to be pushing whoever it is for that CB2 spot and might be CB1 until until Trey comes back. I'm just 
I'm just throwing that out there. And I, I like Dane Jackson. I liked him back in Pittsburgh. He played with DeMar Hamlin, who's also on the Bills. So they have a little bit of camaraderie going. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's something about the kid. I like the draft pick, and I, I just think there's something there. Do you think Dane Jackson, hot take, Dave, I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you think Dane Jackson, there's a realistic world in which Dane Jackson is CB2? Yes. I absolutely I think that. I absolutely think that there's a, a real world scenario where um, Dane Jackson can be CB2. Now, I still think that Brandon Bean is going to sign a veteran corner. I think he's just waiting for the chips to fall after this weekend and seeing if there's any cap casualties, um, if, any, if any vets are cut because, you know, teams draft corners um, or what have you going towards training camp. This might this might pan out. The Bills. Bills Mafia might be in panic mode over cornerback for a while. If if there's a player there tomorrow at 25 that Brandon Bean's absolutely in love with, that's not a corner. They may not draft a corner in, at 25. And if there's a player that they didn't think was going to be there in round two, they may not draft one in round two. I'm just, mm. I'm just, I'm yeah, I'm just throwing that out there because if it was me, I'm taking corner all day long. But we don't know how Brandon Bean's brain works. He may have a plan for if I can't get the best corner that I want at 25, how I'm going to solve that problem after the draft. So I, I don't know. It's just a lot of scenarios can be played out tomorrow. Things never fall the way they're supposed to. So we'll just have to see. I just think there's going to be a stiff competition um, for CB2, whether it's a veteran, a rookie, Dane Jackson, um, going into camp. I, I couldn't agree more. And and the one thing that last year's draft taught me a little bit too, was that if, if Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott think that there is a need to fill on this roster, they will be perfectly fine going back to back rounds with maybe the, not, not the sexiest pick in the world, as we saw with Rousseau and Basham kind of going one and two overall uh, to kind of jump into the next topic. As we all know, voluntary camp has started and Jordan Poyer is a no show. This isn't shocking. It's not a bombshell development, but it's noteworthy because of the recent addition of a new agent and talk circulating that he wants to get paid. Listen, go get that bag, Jordan Poyer. He's the most underrated safety in the NFL. And last season, he was in all pro first team safety. Dave, how do you feel about the current situation, not only with his agent wanting more money and the bills coming up on some pretty intense decisions with Edmonds, Singletary, Knox, Poyer, and Oliver all coming up on a payday. Well, I mean, we kind of touched on it on the first episode, but I mean, I think the writing was on the wall once it was announced by Drew Rosenhaus that, you know, Jordan Poyer was now his client. We all know that Drew Rosenhaus is one of the most prolific um, sports agents. And I thought it was funny that Brandon Bean and Sean McGurn Sean McDermott made it a point to talk about, yes, they were asked questions about Jordan Poyer, but they made it a point to say how much they valued him as a player. Um, yep. McDermott, McDermott was gushing over him talking about how he was here when it wasn't so good, um, how mm -hmm. he's been a part of turning the thing around um, about how he cares for his family um, and that he loves them. He basically said, you know, I, I love Jordan Poyer. Brandon Bean basically said the same thing. He's like, I want, I want to pay Jordan Poyer. Um, but I think in the back of his mind, it's ultimately not really 
up to him as easy as everybody thinks it is. Like, just give him the money. Like, there's there's things these guys want. He's 31. He's going to be 32 next year. Um, and I've said it before, draft some safeties and get these guys groomed for when Poyer and Hyde are no longer here. Um, but I think Jordan Poyer deserves every bit of an, at least one more year. Um, and I think he should be paid as a top safety. I mean, look, this is an undraft or a, a late round draft pick by the Eagles was tossed aside by the Browns. Um, the Bills picked him up. He was signed around the same time that Micah Hyde was signed right yep. before Brandon yep. Bean got here. So, you know, he's he was kind of an unknown, but now I think he's an ultimate fan favorite. I think he's a culture guy. Um, he brings intensity to the defense. You know, doesn't ever give up any big plays. He seems like he's always around the ball. I think you absolutely need to have him and Hyde as long as you possibly can, but there has to be a contingency plan, you know, because these guys can't play forever. You can't keep signing veterans, you know, well into their 30s. So I, I think he's going to get paid. And, and look, I, I think the way that Bean and McDermott talked about it, I think I think he's going to get paid. Um, I do think it's funny that, um, Vaughn Miller and Josh Allen both kind of threw shade, not you know per se at Jordan Poyer, but talking about how they wanted to be at OTAs. They were glad they were there for mm. the camaraderie. I don't know if it was the specific shot, but um, you know it's it's voluntary, right? I mean, there's some players that don't show up on every team. You know, they some players have routines, and it, is it weird because Poyer was there last year and he's not there this year? Sure. But I don't think there's too much to make of it. I don't see there being a holdout. Um, I think once mandatory camp, you know, happens, I, I feel like he'll be there. Um, and, hey, look, the Bills can always offer Jordan Poyer, you know, a, a one-year extension, turn some money that they have this year locked up, push it as a bonus to next year, and free up some cap space for this year by basically handing Jordan, Jordan Poyer a check. Um you know, so I think it'll all get worked out. I'm, I'm not, I'm not too concerned if it's, if it's June and we haven't seen Jordan Poyer, I'll start to be worried, but you know, until then, I think it's going to get handled. I have faith in being so Dave Myers. Officially the salary cap is not a myth. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got, I got, I got a tough question for you. So yeah. out of these four players, you can keep two coming into next season. You're the GM, okay? Edmonds, oh. Knox, Hoyer, and Oliver. Knox and Oliver. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They're, they're, they're younger and they still have more. Look, Dawson Knox was tied for tight ends with touchdowns last year with nine in his third year. Everybody gave up on the guy, but I think we're finally starting to realize that when Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott tell us that these guys are projects and they're work in progress, we need to cut them some slack and give them some time to develop. Um, ultimate case is Josh Allen, right? Um, Dawson Knox was outstanding last year. I feel like he's going to have another big year. And he, he showed no signs heading into the postseason of any kind of regression, any kind of dropsies. Um, his blocking was getting better. His route running looked better. It looked like he was more in tuned with Josh and they had more of a rapport. And Ed Oliver, I feel like we've just started to see last year the, the 
you know, the tipping point of what he can be. Plus, they're younger. Jordan Poyer is going to be 32 after this season. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, look, I, I went to bat for Tremaine Edmonds for three years. I'm finally, I think I'm off that bus. Not saying that Tremaine Edmonds is, is a bust or he's a bad player, because I know he, he serves a purpose in McDermott's defense, but he's not the guy that they traded up to get. He's just not. He hasn't been that dynamic guy who can alter games, who can have lights out coverage. Um, you can ask him to blitz the quarterback. You can ask him to stop the run. For a guy who's freakishly athletic as he was touted to be coming out of Virginia Tech, I haven't seen enough of it. Um, and that's, you know, that's no knock on, you know, he's going into year five. That's no knock on the scheme or the bills or, you know, the front office for drafting him. I just think that, you know, if you want to compare him to Matt Milano, which they're two different positions, I get that. But I take Matt Milano in a heartbeat because I think Matt Milano means more to this defense than Tremaine Edmonds does. And Matt Milano got extended. They didn't, they didn't, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't think that there's an extension in the works for, for Tremaine Edmonds. I, I'm afraid that he might get franchise tagged um, until they figure out what's our contingency plan because we can't, again, we can't pay everybody. Um, and he's going to warrant 15 to 17 million. And I don't know if Brandon Bean's just like, well, you know what? I'll, I'm just going to go draft a guy. And maybe in three years, we have our franchise middle linebacker. So, you know, that's my thoughts on that. I think that that's fair. And and Dave, I don't think that you are um, outside of the norm of the Bills Mafia after taking a look at Twitter and reading forums and checking out different sources of information. A lot of people are in the same train as you as the the kind of bouncing away from Tremaine Edmonds. But if that's the case, they got to be looking at a linebacker this draft to start training him and, and working on getting him up to speed. Going back to the Jordan Poyer uh, situation that we we talked about, for me personally, I think we're going to see Jordan Poyer walk. Uh, I just think that the Bills may have priced themselves out of the Jordan Poyer sweepstakes, and and that's fine. Nothing in life is guaranteed. And if he wants to go out and get a massive contract, do it. Go get that money. On the flip side, also realize you might be missing out on a championship. Not only a championship, a championship for the city of Buffalo, which your legacy is cemented if you can be a part of that team to finally do that. For me, I'm looking at Edmonds, Oliver, and Knox to get some paydays with the team. And it would be very challenging for me to be in the shoes of Brandon Bean here. I love the whole team. Selfishly, I want everyone to stay. But I know that that can't be the case. When you have a good team, a great team with good to great players, it's just a reality that you're going to price yourself out of some of them. On the flip side, I will say, I thought Milano and McKenzie were both gone. But it turned out that they took relatively team-friendly deals to stay with the club. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes up, but I think one or two of those players we mentioned above could be in the same category as that Milano and McKenzie kind of stunning deal. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of we're in a new age with with social media, and you know, we tweeted out something about Jordan Poyer missing, you know, voluntary OTAs, and he liked the tweet. So yes, voluntary. Yeah. I mean, these, these guys all see and hear everything. And like you said, I I don't know how much emotion plays into 
every one of these players' DNA. Um, but I can tell you right now that if you win a Super Bowl for the Buffalo Bills and you're a member of this team, every Buffalo Bills fan is going to remember who was on that team forever because it's never happened. And we don't know if it's going to happen again. We hope it does. But, you, you know, I don't know. He made his career in Buffalo. He, ma- he became a better version of himself in Buffalo. Now, did scheme help? Yes. Did playing with another all-pro safety and an all-pro cornerback and having one of the smartest defensive minds in, in, you know, in football help? Yes, of course, but he's the athlete, and he went out there and did that. So it's going to be interesting. I, I feel like the Bills and Brandon Bean have a loyalty that they like to adhere to. And, you know, they gave Jordan or they gave Micah Hyde another year and he's a year older than, than Jordan Poyer. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, We'll find out um, about, I think some of this, that the players that, you know, were just brought up this weekend, starting tomorrow. Um, Yep. If, you know, if, if there's a safety drafted early on day two, um, or a linebacker. Yeah, there might be writing on the wall, um, but also Brandon Bean will always take um, the best player that's there. You know, they like they don't just like positions. Um, they like guys that you know. Okay, they so we drafted Saran Neal, um, and now he's a special teams ace. You know, but he was drafted as the safety, then he turned corner. Now he's getting paid basically to be a, a special teams guy because they like you know, the versatility that he brings. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. And like you were saying earlier, they, they might, Brandon B might draft cornerback in round one, cornerback in round two. Who knows? Maybe double dips again. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. True. And, and it might not be best player available. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't like that a ton. It, it's mostly like best player that fills a need, you know, um, but that it's, it's essentially the same thing, but that's a perfect segue into our last kind of portion of the evening, Dave, the drafts tomorrow. I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the 25th overall pick. It's a perfect world. You're the GM of the Buffalo bills and the board falls perfectly. Who are you taking and why? Well, I settled on this person today after flip flopping back and forth for about three weeks. Um, I, I love Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. Um, Quit reading my notes, people, Dave. Quit reading no, my notes. Nope, nope. I even posted it on Twitter a few hours ago that this is the guy. I was going back and forth. I like Elam. I even like um, some other corners that are in there. Brees Hall, I kind of fell in love with the thought two years in a row of drafting a running back in the first round. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, Shout out Travis watched, Etienne. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, though that was going to definitely happen. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I watched a lot of film. I did some deep digging into analysis of him stuff, you know, from his freshman year, sophomore year, and obviously his junior year. Um, I just, I kind of feel like he might be a guy that, can actually plug and play. Um, now he had a sports hernia surgery um, and he missed his pro day. So we don't have 40 times on him. Um, we don't have three cones on him. Um, you, you know, we don't have the verticals and all that stuff, but I can tell you right now, six foot, 200 pounds. 
he has amazing range. He's got long arms. Um, he can play. He can play press coverage. He can play zone. Um, you know, he's got good reaction time. He's got really good awareness. He puts himself. What I like about watching him is he puts himself in the right. He puts himself in the right position to make a play, um, which is kind of like Tre'Davious White. Tre'Davious White's not a lockdown corner by any means, but he's smart and instinctive. He can react quickly, and I think that that Andrew Booth Jr. is is very similar that way. He played in a big conference. He went, you know, he went to Clemson. Um, started eleven games, two thousand twenty-one. Had five pass breakups, one interception. I just, I, I like him. The only thing that I, I think that he needs to work on is he takes really long strides at times, and that kind of gets him. It kind of gets him beat um, on the outside, um, the break in route or the in breaking routes. That it kind of hurts him there. So there are some things he does have to work on, but he's aggressive and he's physical, and I like that. So. If he's there at 25, I've seen him in mocks going as early as 13, 16. Um, I've seen him in some mocks make it all the way to the second round. So, you know, we'll see. It depends on here. Okay. And, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but my, oh, my, you're good. my small concern about tomorrow is that we know that sauce is going to be gone. Um, we know that Stingley is going to be gone, right? Those guys, unless the bills can pull off a trade to get into like the top seven, those guys are going to be gone. They're, they're two of the three best athletes in the draft. So the best two corners are gone. Then you have to start looking at what other teams are doing. And my concern is we're going to get to like 18 and there's going to be a run on corners and the bills aren't going to be able to trade to get one of these guys. And they're not going to get one of the top four or five corners, which might lead them in a direction to maybe take a wide receiver, um, maybe take a safety, maybe take a linebacker, maybe draft a guard. Um, so we'll know mid first round, maybe 15, 16, we'll know, um, you know, kind of how this is going to play out. But like I said, my biggest concern, my, my, which would be a big headache for me is that if we get to like 16, 17, and these corners start coming off because these teams want corners and they know the bills want a corner and they're not going to trade with the bills. And then we're at 25 and we're in a, Oh shit situation. Our board's obliterated maybe we're thinking about trading out of the first round to acquire another second round pick or something, you know, later on in the draft. So just throwing that out there, all the options are on the table, I guess. I love it. And I, I do want to point out a couple of years ago, the bills drafted with a number seven overall pick uh, a quarterback. If you guys are, are familiar, Josh Allen and, and a lot of bills mafia uh, was claiming that we drafted the wrong Josh at the time. So I'm just saying, <laughs> Hey, tomorrow can be emotional. Maybe you wait until it's on the football field because Bill's Mafia is known for pulling back receipts. So just have a little <laughs> trust in McBean um, at what he's going to do tomorrow. But but Dave, you you had my pick too. Andrew Booth Jr. all the way for me. I've kind of been pounding the table for a CB2. And with the departure of Levi Wallace, we still kind of have a light and relatively unproven CB room. Like you said, Dane Jackson doesn't have that many snaps right now. With the addition of Booth and kind of throwing him into the fire a little bit, it's going to be quite the addition when our boy Trey White is back and healthy. Uh, as you pointed out, you, you talked a lot about Andrew Booth, but I just want to pull up some numbers from the CB out of Clemson. So Booth played in 13 games as a freshman and had four tackles before suffering an injury. 
In 2020, Booth was named second team All-ACC and finished with 27 tackles, four breakups, and two picks. And in 2021, he led the Tigers with three interceptions and finished with 37 tackles and five pass breakups in 11 starts. The kid just jumps out on the tape, and I would love if the Bills selected him number 25 overall. But let's be honest, if CBs, if the well runs dry and there's a good wide receiver there, are we really going to be upset after we've seen the emergence of Gabe Davis, after Josh Allen gave historic career years to John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs? I don't know. Anytime that there's another weapon for Josh Allen, I don't think it's a loss, but I think that there's a lot of commotion in the Bills community about needing that CB2 on this football team. Yeah, and, and last year, year before, I mean, go all the way back to 2019, um, the Bills haven't been in a position to, you know, there wasn't a huge position of need, right? So last year, yes, we wanted to get better at getting to the quarterback. So we went and grabbed two defensive ends. Um, the year before, we didn't have a first-round pick. We wanted to get after the quarterback. So in the second round, we took A.J. Apinesa. So there's there wasn't a huge need. Like, we had guys on the roster, you know, we had Jerry Hughes. Um, we had Mario Addison, so we didn't have a huge need. This year, cornerback is actually a need, and there's a couple sneaky needs on this roster too. We need safety help. We need another wide receiver because you look at the roster of wide receivers last year compared to what we have right now going into the draft, um, you're comparing – Stefan Diggs, Manuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. Now we have Stefan Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, and Gabe Davis. We don't have – there's no, like – Jameson Crowder. Not, not of, we have Jameson Crowder, which will – the jury, I think, is kind of out on him. I like that signing. I think it's underrated. Um, if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be an asset. But I still think if the Bills – and this might be – and this might be something telling as to how – Ken Dorsey wants to run this offense. Is he going to have two prolific tight ends? Is he just need two really good wide receivers and maybe a slot guy here and there? So we're going to find out if they don't take a wide receiver on day one or day two. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Josh has the weapons he had last year. You know, I mean, if they do draft Brees Hall or another, you know, running back, you know, in the second or third round, maybe that becomes a weapon for Josh. So it's all, it's all just a mystery right now, but to me, CB, you need a corner. I, I feel like you need a corner, and I think you should sign a vet still and let them all dogfight for, you know, number one reps and number two reps going into camp because Trey's going to be out, you know, for, for he's going to miss some time. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. 25, hopefully it's not, you know, a tackle. <laughs> tomorrow Bill's yeah. Mafia is going to yes. lose their mind if it's a tackle tomorrow because oh, man. we have – we have two franchise tackles and both sides of the ball. Um, I can see maybe a guard because Saffold's on a one-year deal, but Ryan Bates is on a four-year deal. So, you know, I think Saffold plays himself into another contract this year, honestly. He just came off a Pro Bowl season. So, you know, if they draft a center, you know, Bill's Mafia is going to lose their mind, you know, in the first round. So, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I like it. Like you said, I, I trust Brandon Bean to make the right decision. Um, he always seems to have a plan in place um, that he doesn't ever want to share with anybody because he wants to keep it close to the chest. But 
Very true. And I just want to remind everyone that Brandon Bean, as we talked about earlier in the show, has some great success with late round picks. If you don't like pick one and two in the first two rounds, take a look at five, six, and seven. And in a couple of years, let us know what you think. Gabe Davis was a fourth rounder. Dawson Knox was a third rounder. There's, there's some gems to be found late and they've proven in the past that they do their due diligence and get the right guys on this team. So Dave with the draft tomorrow, was there anything else you wanted to let the people know? Anything you wanted to shout out before we get out of here? Um, if you are catching this before the draft, we will have a live draft show. Um, a lot of our podcast um, contributors will be on. We have Breaking Tables, Not Your Average Podcast, and 716. Peter DiBiase is going to be on there. Izzy's going to be on there. Um, they'll be covering the entire first round. It'll be on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, if you guys want to check that out. Um, we will have someone that will be live uh, when the Bills make their selection. We'll be showing that live, so that's kind of neat. Um, other than that, now you can follow me on Twitter if you guys like what I'm ranting about the Bills um, at Dave Myers BIB. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm just excited. I can't wait to talk about these picks next week. Um, and hopefully, we have some really good additions and see how Brandon Bean can bolster this team even further, um, you know, as a Super Bowl contender. I love it, Dave. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of the built in Buffalo podcast. This is truly a dream come true for me. And I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in, go be great, make someone smile, do your best to be your best. God bless and go bills.